0: I wanna tell you a story today that comes from a book that my son Henry and I read together over the summer. The I just saw his thumb go up right there in the middle. (laughs) The title of the book is, is The Lions of Little Rock and it's by Christine Levine. It's a book of historical fiction, which means that many of the facts are true and some of the parts of the story are imagined. And I'm adapting that story a little bit today to tell it to you. Now, this story takes place during what some people call the lost year in Little Rock, Arkansas. Lots of people know about the year before the lost year, but a whole bunch of people have never even heard about the lost year there in Little Rock. But some people that that say that that year, the lost year, is actually the year that the people of Little Rock finally found their voice. Some people say it was the year when hearts changed and never changed back. Some people say it was just as important a year as the year that most people know about in Little Rock history, that year of 1957 when nine African-American students attended the previously all-white Central High School. These nine African-American students known as the Little Rock Nine were incredibly brave. They went to school every day with people yelling at them and throwing things at them and being unkind all because they wanted to live into our country's promise of equal education for all people, no matter what the color of their skin is. Now the people of Little Rock had different opinions about whether black kids and white kids should be going to school together. A lot of people there in Little Rock wanted things to stay the way that they had always been, with black kids and white kids going to separate schools, And with the black schools often having, well, always having less resources than the white schools. So not enough money to pay for teachers or school supplies or to keep the building in good repair. the people that wanted things to stay the way they were, separated like that and not equal. Well, they had very loud voices and they used them a lot. Meanwhile, the people who supported all the kids going to school together, they were there, but sometimes their voices weren't quite as loud. But still, the Little Rock Nine, those nine African-American students, they kept on going to Central High School. And lots of people in our country felt like this was a turning point toward justice. But the reality is that the work was far from over. It's still far from over. But the very next year, when school was starting in 1958, The governor of Arkansas did not like the way that things had been going. He did not want white kids and black kids going to school together. So he decided that he was going to shut down all of the high schools in Little Rock. High school wasn't going to happen at all in Little Rock, Arkansas. And that's why they call it the lost year, that year of 1958 to 59, that school year, because the 10th and 11th and 12th graders had nowhere to go, none of them. And the the teachers, they were forced to show up to school, but there was nobody there to teach. It was this lost year. Sometimes it helps me to look back at history and see that, you know, after a big move forward, sometimes there's also a big push back. And that's been happening for as long as history has existed. (laughs) So this story that I wanna tell you, it takes place right at the beginning of that lost year, that beginning of the school year in 1958. And the story centers around a couple of characters. The first one I want to tell you about is Marley. It's her very first day of middle school as the story opens and she is a white girl and she is so shy. She is so shy that she pretty much never speaks outside of her family. And it's a big deal even when she says a few words to her sister or her mom or her dad. So she's so shy that like at school when she gets called on, she just sits there When kids come over to talk to her, she just kind of tries to hide inside of herself. She has a really hard time making words come out of her mouth. And Marley, well, she has one friend. And this friend's name is Sally, and she's known Sally since preschool. And the truth of it is that, well, Sally's not really very nice to her. But since Marley has only one friend, she kind of still hangs out with her. She figures it's better to have one mean friend than zero friends. And the good news is that Marley has an older sister who happens to be very, very kind, and the older sister keeps encouraging Marley. Marley, you've you got to find a friend that's actually nice to you, somebody who maybe you have something in common with, maybe you like doing things together. You've got to find somebody else. This Sally is not okay to you. So it's the first day of school there in Little Rock, Arkansas in 1958, and as Marley is eating her breakfast, getting ready for school, her sister comes over and she says, Marley, I have a challenge for you. I want you to say five words today at school. Five words to somebody who's not in your family. I know that you can do it. And of course, Marley didn't say anything. (laughs) She just sat there, but she thought about it. She thought about it while she ate her oatmeal. She thought about it while she brushed her hair. She thought about it as she went to school. And when she showed up at school, there were a lot of things that were familiar, but there was one thing that was really, really different there was a new girl in the back of the room, a new girl she'd never ever seen before, and this was a pretty small town. Pretty soon, this new girl got introduced to the class. Her name was Liz, and she just moved there from out of town, and Marley watched as Liz did something that nobody had ever, ever done before. Sally walked over to Liz and started teasing her, and you know what? Liz teased her back, gently, but firmly. And Liz made it really clear she wasn't gonna take any garbage from Sally, not like everybody else did in the entire school. And while Marley was pretty interested in this, she was pretty interested in Liz and in maybe getting to know her. So at lunchtime, Marley's off sitting by herself, as usual, off in the big cafeteria. She's sitting there on her own and she's got her head down when Liz comes over and she says, can I sit with you? Now, Marley doesn't know what to do. Nobody talks to her. She doesn't ever get in this position where she has to respond because everybody knows she doesn't talk. But Liz doesn't know that, right? So Liz comes over and she says, can I sit here? And Marley looks up and she says, please sit down. Three words, one, two, three. (laughs) Thanks, said Liz. I really hate sitting alone at lunch. And Marley thought to herself, I really hate sitting alone at lunch too." And then Liz talked again and she said, "'Don't worry, you don't even have to talk to me. I just feel better having somebody to sit with.'" It was a couple minutes later when Sally came over. Of course, Sally came over. And she looks at Liz and she goes, "'You can't sit here. Nobody sits with Marley. Marley's my friend. You can't be here.'" And Liz says, "'Well, Marley asked me to sit here.'" And Sally's like, "'What?' (laughs) but, but Marley doesn't even talk. And then Marley looked up and she goes, I did. Two words. <laughs> three words plus two words. is five words. One, two, three, four, five. I win the challenge. So Marley's feeling very, very proud of herself. And what happens is that over the next couple of weeks, Liz and Marley get to be really good friends. And Marley starts talking to Liz like she's never really talked before and they start doing things together and Marley's never had a friend to do stuff with before. And they even decide that they're gonna do a school project together. Now Marley of course has always worked with Sally before and Marley has always done all the work and Sally has always gotten all the credit. But Liz proposed something different. Let's work on the project together and then when it's time to do the oral presentation when we have to stand up in front of the class and tell tell about what we've done, We're both gonna do it. Now this is outside the bounds. Marley has gotten a little bit comfortable talking to one person, Liz, but the idea that she's gonna go ahead and talk in front of the whole class, that made her feel really sick to her stomach and made her legs go kind of wobbly and she got really worried. But she also really wanted to be friends with Liz and she was also really, really sick of always being in the background. So Liz said yes and they started working together and they did all the research right away and then Liz, she was super smart and she definitely knew her friend Marley. Liz said, we're gonna spend the rest of the time practicing you talking out loud. So they spent like two days on research and like three weeks on talking out loud, (laughs) which I think was a good plan. And they found a place where Marley felt comfortable and they would go to the zoo and Liz would have Marley practice out loud to the different animals. So she'd tell her part of the presentation to the lions and then she'd tell her part of the presentation to the monkeys and then she'd tell her part of the presentation to the turtles. And whenever they got there to the zoo, Marley would, Liz would start asking Marley questions to help her warm up and get ready. You know, stuff like what's your favorite color? What bands do you like? Uh, What are you into? What do you like to eat? And that would help Liz kind of get used to talking And one day, Liz was feeling super brave and she decided to start asking Marley questions because she wanted to know about her too. Wait, other way around. (laughs) Marley started asking Liz questions and she would ask her, you know, what's your favorite color? What kind of music do you like? And then she finally got to the question that she really, really wanted to ask. And Marley asked Liz, why'd you talk to me that day? And And Liz looked at Marley and said, Well, I could see that you really needed a friend. And the truth was, I really needed a friend, too. And so they just kept going and working on this presentation and getting to be better and better friends. And there it was the day before the presentation was going to happen. It was Sunday. The presentation was on Monday. And they met up at the zoo, as usual. And Liz was still feeling Wait, Liz was never feeling nervous. Marley <laughs> was feeling super nervous. Liz was feeling very confident. And so we, they got there and Marley was feeling pretty nervous and wanted to practice her part again and again and again and again. And Liz said to her, you know, sometimes when you're ready, you just have to let yourself be ready. Why don't we just play today? Why don't we just walk around and have a good time and relax? And Marley was like, haven't you been paying attention? I never relax. This is too hard. But Liz was like, you can do it. We're going to relax today. And all of a sudden, Liz starts looking around on the ground. And Marley's wondering, what are you doing? And Liz says, I'm looking for a talisman, like a good luck charm, something you can keep in your pocket to help you feel stronger, maybe to help you feel a little bit braver. And she's looking around and looking around. And she looks down, and she finds a feather. And she picks it up. And she says, Marley, this is going to be your magic feather. When this feather is with you, you're going to know that I'm with you, too. And you're going to feel braver and stronger. And you're going to be able to do things that you didn't think you could even do. So Liz gives Marley the feather. And Marley takes it. And she's like, yeah, thanks. This is not going to work. (laughs) But she sticks it in her pocket anyway, just because her friend gave it to her. Now, Monday morning comes around and school is getting started and the homeroom is there and Marley's looking and, well, Liz isn't there. But she's not worried yet because Liz always shows up. There's nothing to worry about. So finally, though, it's the end of homeroom and the teacher calls Marley out into the hallway and she says, I'm sorry to tell you this, but Liz isn't coming back. She's not going to come back to school. She's sick and and she's not going to be able to return. So I'll just give you a couple of days to write down your presentation and then you can turn it in. And Marley got that weak feeling in her knees and her stomach started to feel all funny again. But she also felt really confused. How could Liz be so sick all of a sudden that she would never, ever come back to school? At lunchtime that day, Marley was sitting off on her own, as she usually did, and Sally and some of the other kids came over, and they sat down next to her. They wanted to know what the teacher had said to her in the hallway about Liz. Marley didn't say anything back to them, of course, but she didn't have to. "'I heard what the teacher said,' said Sally, "'and she's lying. Liz is not sick. She's not coming back to school because she's black.'" I saw her the other night at the, at the black church in town and uh, we told the principal and she's never ever allowed to come back. Now Marley was shocked. She was shocked that she hadn't known that Liz was black. She was shocked that Sally would do something so mean. And then lunch ended and it was time for history class. Marley surprised herself and everybody else. As soon as the class started, she raised her hand and she asked to go first. People didn't know what to do with that. But she walked to the front of the room, she took her feather out of her pocket, and she stuck it in her hair. She took a deep breath, and then another deep breath, and then another deep breath, and she began. She did the whole presentation, her part and Liz's part, and when it was over, she walked out of the classroom and out of the school and right home. Her head was full of questions, and her heart was full of feelings. How come Liz hadn't told her that she was black, and how could she not have known? Marley thought it was okay for black kids and white kids to go to school together, but she knew it was a really big deal in her town. How could it be that her first real friend that she'd ever made was black and now couldn't come back to school with her? Now, on her side of town, Liz was having her own fears and questions and worries, her own full heart too. She knew that her family was in real danger now. Her whole community was scared and she missed Marley and she wondered if she would ever have been her friend in the first place if she had known the truth about who she was. Later on that night, Marley's family explained to her that sometimes if a black person had light colored skin and straight hair, they could pass for being white. Some black people did that, her family said, so that they could go to better schools or get better jobs or be safer or just not be treated as second-class citizens all the time. But passing came at a cost for the black people who did it, they explained. It meant leaving their friends and family and community behind and taking on a whole new identity. And it was dangerous too. White people didn't like to be fooled like that. You have to forget about it, Marley's family said. You have to forget all about Liz. You can't be friends with her anymore. It's too dangerous for you. It's too dangerous for her. You have to promise me, her parents said, that you will stay away from her for your safety and for hers. Now, when her parents asked for this promise, Marley didn't respond. And this was a moment where she thought, the fact that I don't talk is working for me. (laughs) Because she never did promise. She didn't know what she was going to do. But she knew she had to do something. The next day in school, she wrote a note to Liz, but she couldn't figure out where to take it. She thought and she thought and she thought, and then she thought, ah, oh, I'll take it to the black church where Sally spotted her a few nights before. So she got on her bike after school, and for the first time ever, she bar- biked into the black part of town. She walked into the church, and she was kind of surprised that it looked a lot like her church on the inside. And she looked up and there was the pastor and the pastor was wearing the same warm but serious expression that her pastor wore on his face and she walked up to him and she handed him the note and he unfolded it on the front it said Liz and inside it said meet me at the Lions Saturday two o'clock now it's dangerous for you two to meet the pastor said you can't do this And he walked around the sanctuary and he thought about it, but Marley didn't go anywhere. And finally he looked up at her and he said, Liz sure could use a friend right now, though. I'll see what I can do. And Saturday came and the two girls met there at the lions at the zoo, this time with Liz in disguise and both of them terrified. They knew they wouldn't be able to keep meeting in public. It was too dangerous. So they gave each other their phone numbers and they made up fake names so that when they called each other's houses, their parents wouldn't know who was calling for them. P.S. Don't listen to that part, kids. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's a terrible idea, fooling your parents, except sometimes when it isn't. But (laughs) so they kept on talking and they kept on meeting secretly all year. And the friendship that they shared, that Marley and Liz had between them, it changed both of them. Marley learned to say what she really believed, and she started working with other white people to make changes in the rules about who could go to what school. Liz took some big, big risks that year to get an education, and she also brought her community together to work for justice too, even when it was incredibly scary for her and for them. These friends couldn't always be together, But Marley always carried the feather that Liz had given her. And she'd reach into her pocket and she'd touch it, or maybe she'd tuck it into her hair. And she'd remember that she was never really alone and that she could be stronger and braver than she ever thought she could before. Now today, we'll invite everyone who is starting school again soon to come forward for a blessing. And when we do, we'll be giving you a feather that looks just like this to help you remember that wherever you are, you are not by yourself, you're not alone. You're carrying all of us with you and you are loved and you are stronger and braver than you think you can be. The two girls in our story today changed each other's hearts and the friendship they shared made both of them stronger and braver. I think when our hearts change, we are changed for the better and that change is not something that can be undone. This past week, I had the honor of sitting in the sanctuary here while several powerful women spoke. They shared their experience as African-American organizers in our community and around our country. And Leslie Mack, an African-American Unitarian Universalist, was speaking, and she said many things that have gotten into my heart and head, and they're shifting things around. But one in particular I think is important for us all to be carrying. She said loosely, our goal in organizing, in justice-seeking, Our goal can't be just a particular policy or a particular moment in time or a particular movement. Our goal has to be deep connection, real listening, changed hearts. Policies and platforms can be changed in a moment, she said, as we have learned again during this 45th presidency. Policies and platforms can be changed in a moment, but when you change people, it lasts a lifetime. So how are we changing each other? How are we opening ourselves to be changed? Where might we bring more courage to the cafeteria or the bus stop or the water cooler or the family dinner table? Where might we reach out when we see that somebody needs a friend or when injustice is hurting somebody we know or somebody that we don't know? These are the questions for all of us today and every day, not just the people going back to school tomorrow, So, I have a gift for all of us here, too. Everybody out here, the ones who aren't carrying their backpacks with you today. And the gift is feathers. Go. (laughs) Let's see if we can make it work. Feathers! (laughs) There we go. (laughs) So I know we have enough to reach out to everybody, you can help pass them out. (laughs) So these feathers are there to remind you that you are stronger than you think you are, you are braver than you can imagine, and that you are always, always loved by this church. Amen.